Blog Talk Radio. Probably going to be a little show a little more in the pocket as he did in the opener against Rice. 
when you only play in the second half. However, I do think that, or all in all, that Alabama is going to come in. They're going to win. Big road game. Even though Alabama didn't look all that great against Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech is kind of a mess. So, their offense didn't look great. Their defensive line, offensive line was inconsistent as well. But I think that they're a team that, you know, they've gone, they've got the big wins, and then they come back and then beat the teams again. They'll take on anybody. Texas A&M has not shown that yet. Plus, with all this nonsense and stuff about Johnny Mansell, uh, all that jazz, I think it's a little bit bit of a distraction. And thus, I think that Alabama's going to win. I think it's going to win a little comfortable. So by about two touchdowns? I'd say 10 to to 14 points. Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't realize Alabama's kind of a bye week. So they plus they beat Virginia Tech by week and then the first SEC game. Yeah, the same thing for A and M though. Right. A and M played notorious rice. Yeah. Well two weeks ago. Yeah. Johnny Menzel will we play play well. He's lucky he's at home. I think with him this year in Alabama he'll crack. But uh Kevin Sumlin has been praising him, saying it's been he's been fine. He's you know, a hard worker. Sort of like the same thing as Urban Meyer was saying, but when Team Tebow is playing, it's a lot of heart. A lot of energy helping her team. Or kind of like what John Marcus is about you in his class last year. Exactly. Same thing. He plays to win the game. He's uh, he's a good quarterback. I don't know if the receiving core is as good as last year. And they did sort of almost lose to Rice. It was a game of just a half. And then John Menzel did, does get benched for uh, excessively celebrating, calling out some poor guy on Rice. Yeah. We're gonna go, but we're not totally certain what the guy said. The guy, uh, apparently the linebacker or whoever was on Rice, said, uh, oh, he wasn't taunting me. But all in all, I mean, they'll kind of know that everything that he does is going to be scrutinized much more than everybody else. So on the football field. So he's got to be, he's got to show bigger, um, uh, greater awareness of his surroundings. Yeah, and maybe uh, doing something like that, even if it is innocuous, that, you know, just let it ride. All right, some interesting figures about this game before we get to uh, Kevin Sumlin's uh, comments on the Johnny Menzel camera that CBS is planning on doing. Yes. Is this is the highest ticket price ever for a regular season game, currently averaging $763 for a ticket price. What's the most you've ever seen? What are you hitting me? It's out in the door. We've got a special guest in the house. Oh, gosh. We'd love to welcome this show. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Daniel Akinkoye has joined us in our studios. Surprisingly, he found the place. Any trouble getting here? Yeah, a little bit. All right. The great will join us at the show. He has his comments on the uh, U.S. men's soccer team qualifying for the World Cup and what his boys in uh, Nigeria could do as well. But what is the most, Daniel, the most you have ever spent on a ticket to a game? I've never spent any money to go to a game. So, so $0, V-Flow, what is the most you've spent? The most I've ever personally spent, like probably buck twenty, under 20 bucks. What game? It was a uh, Yankees-Mets game uh, last year. Okay, the uh, most I've ever spent, I'd probably say about $40, $50. Not a lot. What, what would happen if you wanted to spend $763 on, a, on the secondary ticket market? Fifty more than the game of the century, whatever that is. I guess what they're calling this game. I don't know. But 
It's almost I mean, a, a Super Bowl ticket. A Super Bowl ticket. When my dad went when I was in Dallas was, I think, about twelve hundred dollars. Those are for those are for solid seats. But this for a college football game, I think, is just a little over the top. Well, I think what I think about this is that it's for a college football game. The price, there's always lesser. You know, you look at Cal Field, which is like ninety thousand, but there's not ninety thousand seats available because there's a significant portion that goes to students. So there's a lesser portion of the stadium available for regular fans. So therefore, the the uh, value is going to be higher up. So I think that's helped to inflate it, but not like to this point. Where it's, I mean, it's obviously, it's not even technically a game of the century because those are always the number one, number two games. So this is certainly hype beyond belief. And CBS, which we'll get to a little bit of their coverage in a moment, but they're going to probably get a big number unless the game's dreadful. But it's, the hype may be a little too much, but it's still going to be. Huge. One of the interesting things that are going to get CBS is going to use is they're going to have a camera solely on Johnny Manziel. And Kevin Sumlin had to say on his Wednesday press conference about that. You know, I just heard about that this morning. Um, I, you know, I, I basically I really just heard about it uh, maybe an hour ago. Yes, sir. And uh, you know. It, to me, it's interesting. Everything we do, everything I try to do, everything that we try to do here at Texas A&M is about team. And it's about um, um, building our team, building our program, uh, and not being an individual. And, um, you know, Saturday afternoon, you're going to have two football teams on the field. And... Um, you know, I just I don't understand why there's got to be one guy singled out to put a camera on the whole time. And that's not what we're trying to be about. That's not what we're trying to promote. Um, and certainly um, from an outside, from my point, from my standpoint, looking out, you know, if every all the criticism about individualism uh, in, on a football team, I don't think that uh, this helps. Uh, enhance a team concept one bit. Interesting that someone are basically saying, I don't understand why CBS is singling out one guy when it's essentially two teams playing on the field. Yeah. What were your thoughts when you first heard of the Johnny Can? I mean, it's definitely probably a little much. It's a little bizarre. Not going to lie, you never really see. Even though I seem to think that they did something, they probably did something like that with Tim Tebow at one point. I think they might have. It's certainly... Probably a little much. I'm usually you'll see something like this for like uh, online. If you're going to watch a game online, usually they'll have other cameras like on certain players, like Race Buddy. Exactly. Something yeah. Like that. So it's a little. Seems like a little much. I mean, I, I mean, someone's like, oh, he is only one player, but he is also the you know defending Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, you know, all all that made made his bones, as some people would say. There's this Heisman campaign with that excellent performance last year in Tuscaloosa. So I think that I can see why CBS doing it. A little too much for my taste, but hey, you know, I, I can see it's not unre not that unreasonable. It's like they're following like us around. Yeah, unfortunately. The flow cam. Yeah, that'd be 
interesting. That would be very interesting to see. But more in the college football world, so we both agree that Alabama is going to come in and I would say smoke blow them out of the water like it did in Notre Dame last year. Great team. But I, I would say two touchdowns, about 17 points. And because A.J. McCarron is playing really well. The 12th man, it could be a factor if the game is close going into the fourth quarter. For the most part, though, it, it could be a blowout because Alabama's team is just too good. Even with the whole uh, incident of the D.J. Fluker incident, mm-hmm. saying that he, was, he got paid, but, of course, a lot of Saban does a good job sort of brushing everyone aside with that. Former college football, the star of my home state, Texas, dreadful. Exactly. Losing to BYU. How many rushing? We were dissecting this game. It was like over 500. Exactly. Quarterback had, what, 300 rushing yards? Yeah, he had like or 280 or something like that. And that's a BYU offense, which wasn't like a solid rushing game, but not, you know, incredible. And they lost the week before to Virginia. Virginia is not a great team by any stretch. And they just demolished Texas. Right, but they already fired their defensive coordinator. Yep. And Matt Brown stays. Sort of like I was comparing it to the other Jets. The fire everyone except the head coach. Yeah, well, it is also early in the season. You're not going to push out a Mac Brown in the middle of the year. Right. Are you surprised they're doing bad? They were, what, 14th in the country at one point? Yeah, I thought the team, I, I was uh, feeling them probably as a team with the Big 12. I thought they had a lot of talent. Well, they always have a lot of talent. Certainly a lot of speed. And I felt that while was a great team, certainly not a national championship team, that it was a team that could uh, make a lot of waves, and I thought they'd be a very strong team this year. So this is demolished demolition at the hands of USC. It, well, not USC, BYU, um, is uh, very troubling, very troubling. Yeah, so just to clarify that, 550 rushing yards. Yeah. That's more than we get in a year. Who's we? Us. We, we don't get any rushing yards. Exactly. So more than we get in a year. Anyway, that's 40 to 21 loss to BYU. It's tough. Mac Brown saying, quoted, when you lose to Texas, you're going to be bashed. And he accepts it. Of course, he's lost a lot, but he's also won a lot. It's a matter of time for they to get to the Big 12. And hopefully, I don't say hopefully, they'll probably run ragged through that. But then again, I don't know. Oklahoma's done really well. TCU's done really well. Could this be his last year? I don't think he's going to get fired, but I think that there could be some rumblings to push him out at the end of the year. I mean, I think Texas fans need to relax a little bit. I mean, you look at the two coaches before Matt Brown. Like, everyone always looks at these coaches when they're about to get fired. Something like that. Oh, we got to ax them because we can get anybody. Look at the previous two coaches. It was John Makovich and David McWilliams. There's a reason why you don't remember that, because they were awful. And that was when Texas was like a 500 team. So, and this is a team that has just probably on paper the strongest program in the country to defend, support, recruiting bad money up the wazoo. Alumni support. Booster is the reason why Mac Brown is still. Yeah. So I think that he, this this will probably be his last year. And a team that you didn't mention that a lot of people, including myself, are thinking that could very well be a uh, the team to beat in the Big 12 is Baylor. Mm. That offense is incredible. Yeah, Adam Petty, or not Adam Petty, what's the guy? The quarterback, his last name is Petty. Got Lacey Strunk at running back, former Oregonian. And uh, who is that Baylor quarterback? Bryce Petty, that's what it is. Adam Petty is, of course, the late grandson <laughs> of 
Richard Petty. Rest in peace. Exactly. Yeah, I had the same racetrack where they're going to be next weekend in the chase. That's right. I almost said this weekend, but that was gonna not, chase. not anymore. I'll get to that later in the show. You love the chase. Of course, final college football team we'll talk about, the uh, USC Trojans. Beautiful. They lost in an upset to uh, Washington State. Yep. And it did a little 14-7 game. 14-7 final. And so, as Yahoo once, as Yahoo famously wrote, it's Steamroll has, Steamroll has switched from Manziel to Lane Kiffin. Apparently, there was a players-only meeting in which they kicked the coach, said the coach did not know about. Flo, if you're head coach of a team and your players did this, you're already coming off uh, probation. Yeah, and, and this, now this happens. Well, the thing is, as you bring up probation, like this was probably going to be the year where you were going to feel the sanctions the most. They put off a lot of it so they could have a big one last year. Obviously, it didn't happen. Still thought it'd be a good team, but but anyways, this is certain, this is really a problem because the offense is dreadful. You know, you have uh, Marquise Lee was the one basically saying that Kiffin doesn't know about this, and this is definitely a problem for Lane Kiffin as he's he's gone after this year unless they roll the rest of the way. He's gone. And the big problem is that the defense for USC has been very good, very good defense, and they haven't had that in years. Not, yeah. not since when, uh, like, Ray Malaga and yeah, absolutely. Matthews played. Absolutely. So, uh, new coordinator, Clancy Pendergast, has done a great job there. The offense, which is Kiffin's special team, he is basically the offensive coordinator, has been awful. They've struggled to move the ball, struggled to pick up yards, and you have Marquise Lee, the best receiver in football. And the the problem is that Kiffin doesn't have a confident – not even until this week did he pick a, a quarterback in either Max Wittick or uh, Cody Kendler, and he went with the uh, latter, who's going to be the full-time guy going forward. I mean, that's how you score seven points against Washington State. I mean, Washington State's a solid team that could be in a bowl this year, but you shouldn't be losing at home. So Washington State put up seven, seven points. points for a team that always put up like fifty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they they have scored what twenty points in the past two weeks. They've bought no they, thirty-seven. They oh, they won. won. Yeah, they didn't lose to Hawaii. They lost to Hawaii. He'd, he'd be fired. Yeah, Boston College, Utah State, Arizona State, Open Pac-12 play or second game in Pac-12 play. These next two games they should be winning. I mean, Boston College is not very good. They're rebuilding, and Utah State's a solid team, but. You see, at the C should not lose to Utah State. That Arizona State team, very good team. A lot of people liking them. Mike Pereira, I think he's liking them to be a sleeper in the Pac-12. That's right where I brought Mike Pereira, and that game is in Tempe. Sunbelt Stadium, not an easy place to play. Right. So. Then two weeks after that, they play at Notre Dame, who put on a pretty solid showing against Michigan. Yeah. That yeah. loss, but still solid. Should be a nine-win team. Mm-hmm. In the mix, so and that'll be tough. Never easy to go south bend and win. And you know, look at it on Oregon, who apparently a lot of people are saying they're on a chance to lose to they play Tennessee this weekend. No, who is saying that? No idea. They're going to drill Tennessee because Tennessee is not very good. They just demolished Virginia. That team has not missed a beat without Chip Kelly. I mean, new head. Surprising they haven't. I mean, I'm not entirely surprised because you're keeping the same offense. You still got you got a new talent, your new coach, uh, who was the offensive coordinator, very talented guy, and you know you got Mariota, you got Anthony Thomas, 
So it's it's strong team. It's a lot of talent and a credible amount of speed, same kind of offense. So, you know, that's just, you know, Oregon is going to be good at least uh, for a few more years, at least until we see if uh, there's any sort of fallback. I mean, we, a lot of people thought that you'd see that at Stanford, after Jim Harbaugh left. David Shaw has been an incredible coach. Mm-hmm. So, who's your favorite football team? You're a college football fan? I'm not a college football fan, but I used to, when I was younger, I used to like the Rams because that's pretty old. And mm. uh, Marshall Falk, which is not college football. Yeah, NFL talk. We get out of the second half of our show. I'm <laughs> sorry to talk with our guest. We go to Smith Radio on blogtalkradio.com. B-Flow, Runner Radar Reed, our good friend Malcolm Barber. Absolutely. Hey there, soccer fans. If you are looking for an exciting and interactive experience besides listening to this program, the D.C. United Soccer Club will be hosting College Night, capitalized, on October 4th against the Chicago Fire. We're tearing it up right now in the MLS. Yeah. College Night will feature a pregame tailgate, a halftime mascot race between all the local colleges, and many other activities. Tickets will be sold at the price of $20 a ticket. You can't beat that. For more information, visit www.dcunited.com slash au. All right, and we'll be back. Fanatic Radio. It's as good as it gets. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio.
Static Radio. Get ready to break the pain! <laughs> the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Block Talk Radio. Oh, you are living la vida loca. Welcome to Snack Radio, sponsored by the American Word Magazine, Chipotle, Dish Network. We'll throw them all in there. Talk to and gamble. Everyone, I'm Gardner, Ben Florence, Daniel Akinkoye in the house here in our studios. Very exciting. During the break, what were some things you found continuing to be an A&M Alabama game? Interesting story you recovered on uh, Yahoo? Yes, sir. Our good friend Ben Forty talking to another good friend, Governor of Texas, Rick Perry, the first ever governor of the Lone Star. You're a Lone Star State. Yeah. He graduated of Texas A&M, and he has a prediction uh, for his beloved Aggies. He, of course, is uh, was famous for being one of what, the, what they call the yell leaders. Or, no, yeah, yeah. leaders when he was at uh, in College Station. And he's got a prediction of 35-24 with Texas A&M on top. And he said, uh, uh, catchphrase, curve. before he's calling, as such, is uh, roll, tears, roll. Uh, fine words from my proud governor. Yeah, very proud governor. Oh, jeez. He's taking it a little too far. Nevertheless. A uh, quick plug, Money Mayweather fights tomorrow, going up against, uh, what's his guy's name, Alvarez? So, so yes. Are you gonna, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to watch this fight. I would love to watch this fight, but I currently do not have the finance to watch it, nor the time. The blood kill, look, it's supposed to be like, yeah, I'm going to watch it, we're going to sneak in the public, and we're going to, of course, we're not encouraging kids to do that, but anyway, it's at 90 Strong Showtime, 23-year-old Canelo Alvarez. Do you think he will defeat Money Mayweather? I think he has a chance. He has a lot of power. He's very strong. He's young. But since he's young and Floyd, being as experienced as he is, it's going to be tough for him. Do you think Mayweather will stand defeated? I'm hoping he does. He goes here on your Mayweather fan. I like I like the work he puts into his craft. All right, so yeah, that is a fight on pay per view showtime. Flo, are you excited for this fight? Oh, uh, I am pretty excited for this fight to be honest. Uh I think it should be a good one. I think it'll be hard to beat Floyd Mayweather because nobody's ever beaten him before. And that's so but I think it should be a good one. I think uh, Alvarez I think he's got a shot to win. But I think that ultimately it's going to be uh, Floyd. It's going to be a little Hurricane Floyd on top. Alvarez is undefeated as well. That is true. Very true. All right. So that's uh, just kind of nice through my whole little argument there. Speaking of boxing, though, uh, what's up with your boy, Oscar De La Loya? Um, Apparently he was checked into, I think it was rehab of some sort. I mean, kind of caught me a little off guard there, so I got to pull that up. Uh yeah, he's returned to rehab. Good for him. But he's all right. Uh, well, he's clearly not all right. Well, he's trying to get into rehab. He's, oh, he's out of it. I mean, he's better. Oh, he's in rehab. Oh, he's in rehab. Yeah, I just said two days ago he checked into rehab. Oh, he checked. I think he got released. No. Oh, well, he gets better. Because uh, Alvarez is his guy, right? Yes. That's, and he's not going to be at the fight. So a little extra motivation. There we go. We're, we're we're building up drama on this show. Why not? Right, enough boxing. Just watch the fight. Last time, last time I watched the fight, I was very disappointed because May Pacquiao lost. Need I say more? 
professional soccer now. The United States. We said we we're going to beat Costa Rica on this show last week. We were sorely mistaken as we went down to San Juan and got embarrassed in front of 60-plus thousand people in their new national stadium. And rightfully so. Yeah, we came up awful. We two goals in like five minutes. It was just atrocious. But a must-win game in Columbus, Ohio. We came and beat Mexico 2-0. It's apparently the fourth time in a row we have beaten Mexico 2-0 in Crew Stadium. Daniel, one, are you happy the United States is qualifying for the World Cup? And two, how good is this team for real? I'm very happy that they qualify for the World Cup. I think they're going to be very good with players like Michael Bradley and Brent Dempsey and Lennon Donovan, but I have a question for you. Are you really surprised that the U.S. lost in Costa Rica? They're 0-8-1 all-time for World Cup. I didn't think they were going to win 1-0. Last time we played, because last two times we played Costa Rica, first qualifier and in the Gold Cup, we won 1-0. So we, kept, we would have kept it close. If it was, like, scoreless at halftime, we would have given us a good shot. I did not know that. I did not expect that they were going to come out and score two goals straight out of the gun. Then again, we didn't have Michael Bradley, who was, who was hurt during like, pre-game warm-ups, which was awful. And then, yeah, at least we, at least we saved face and got a goal. It would have been worse if we had gotten shut out, and then we won. So they did win. Who did you better play on the U.S. national team? I like Michael Bradley a lot. Really? Yeah. My dad hated him at first. Could not stand him. But now he's actually gotten a lot better. He's been on Roma. He's done well. Not play under his dad, which always helps. Would you play on a team coached by Adrian Clemson? Why wouldn't I? There we go. That's the answer we're looking for. So, U.S., they do have two more qualifying games, but they're already in. They have played Jamaica at Sporting Park in Kansas City, and they travel down to Panama. So, Mexico, though, are on the hot seat. I think they have to go to New Zealand to play in the, uh, the FIFA playoffs. There's only four, three teams qualify automatically from CONCACAF. So then there's that fourth one where they play the winner or, the, or like the worst team in or one of the mediocre teams in uh, the Oceania division of FIFA. Are you surprised that Mexico? Well, USA has been doing very well. Mexico is struggling to even make the World Cup. I'm, su- I'm surprised. They, 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 they played awful at home at a place where they have on lock for the past, like, century. I know. I'm, at the same time, I'm not very surprised. They've been doing very poorly at the recent tournament. But Mexico, they usually tend to find a way, but I guess not this year. Well, it's either, it's either win or just Armageddon occurs south of the border. But it's funny because ever since... Uh, they tied us, and we went down as second tied in the World Cup qualifier. They go to the Confederations Cup and get smoked. Needless to say, they're in like one of the toughest groups. They have the host nation, number one team in the world. And then he, and then they come back, lose in the Gold Cup. They don't even make the finals in that. Fire their coach. Lose to Honduras. Lose to us. And this is a team that after then they won the 2012 gold medal in the Olympics. Everyone's saying, oh, they're they're still head of the United States in terms of developing their youth academies and whatnot because their U-17 and U-20 both won World Cups. 
and their accepted age groups. Yeah, their senior team is still struggling. I think it's because they don't have a solid core. They still have, you know, Chicharita. They still have Guardado. They still have, um, I think, Salcido. But then a lot of the guys in the midfield as well. A lot of them got old. A lot of them left. A lot, most of them are hurt. I have no idea. I'm not a, a Mexican soccer expert. Clearly. Exactly. So I support the uh, Stars and Stripes. Uh, and even that's debatable. Eh... Uh, no, I'm like the number one fan. I don't even realize it. But Jurgen Klinsmann has really pitched the idea of of a, of a team that can pretty much beat anyone any given day. Obviously not North Costa Rica, as we've seen. But it's finally enough. The United States has only lost three times this year: one to Honduras, one to Costa Rica, and then one to Belgium, who's like in the top ten in the world. We are 13th. Could the USA go any higher in the deeper rankings? Are there? Is there still more that this team has to prove? Or is, are they satisfied? If you were on the team, would you be satisfied where you are? I would not be satisfied until I win the their upcoming two games. Uh, I, was satisf- I was satisfied up to now when they had their 12-game win streak, but it was snapped by Costa Rica. So uh, if the, the U.S. will find a way, I hope. Clemson will hopefully pull the boys together to win these next two games because even though they qualified, these are serious games. The only problem with this is, I mean, the last time the United States won a Gold Cup, which was, um, I think, 2005, they got to, I think, eighth was the highest ranking we've ever achieved in uh, FIFA rankings. It's just sort of like the BCS. It's not, it's not like the BCS, like the AP rankings. But uh, fourth, fourth was the highest, April 2006. This is after we won the Gold Cup. This is after we, we rolled over Mexico, I think, like, Four zero once, but yet we go into Germany and completely get the pants knocked off us by the Italians, who I think ended up winning the World Cup that year. The Czech Republicans, Czechs, the Czech Republicans, and Ghana, pretty cool. So, do you think that will happen? Predicting a year into the future because it's less than a year now. The World Cup's going to happen. Last time the United States played really well like this. We usually do well in the World Cup and we're doing really bad and then sort of swoop in and surprise everyone. But but now it's just we have everyone talking about us and we're already up to the top of the rankings. It's like we hit rock bottom as soon as the draw happens. Right. Which way do the United States go? Decent analysis. Um, I'd love to see them continue to keep going up. But there's going to be a lot of pressure for them right now. Uh, again, in Scotland will be interesting. November 15th in Scotland. I've known really well against the Europeans this year. We did beat Bosnia, who was 13th at the time when we were 18th in the world. Won a very exciting 4-3 game. But other than that, we beat the Germans, who had their second team, 4-3 as well. And then we got drummed by the Belgians. So Scotland game will pretty much Scotland uh lost to England in a friendly that I watched at Wembley. But that's sort of they're sort of the middle of Europe. We usually do bad against European teams, but good against everything else. Now I know why FIFA doesn't choose the United States to host a World Cup. Because we'll win. Right. Looking at this, we cannot be beat on American soil. And just imagine the fact that's why that's why they're holding out and putting it in guitar. And wanting to move it. To yeah, we did a great job against Belgium in uh, late May. I love that game. Yeah, and we lost. 
That's the only game we've lost, though, at home. We tied with Canada at home. But that was January 29th. Sure, Canada's we would right. win the World Cup if it was in America. No that's way. why they're putting it in guitar, because everyone needs a free shot at the World Cup. They're like, that's why that, we don't get the World Cup. That's why we don't get the Olympics, because we would just blow the doors off every country that comes and competes, because we cannot be beat. Hence, you, you need to get fired. Hence this 12-game win streak we had. Okay, who is the best player in Nigeria? Jojo Kacha still play? No, he's retired. He's just... No. Dude, 
the legends in Nigeria. He was my boy. They had the best uniforms in 2002. I don't know why they don't bring them back, but they looked like if someone took a scoop of pistachio ice cream and threw it on a jersey. That was a, that was their team. Love the analogy. Who is the best player in Nigeria now? I like John Obi Mikel a lot. Okay. He's Chelsea. He's a center midfielder, and he scored his first goal in the Confederations Cup out of from his whole career. How long have you been playing on the national team before? He's been playing probably over five years now. He's never scored for Chelsea, and he's just scored for Nigeria this summer. Well, good for him. Glad they're doing well. Ivory Coast is a very good team, for those of you that don't know. Ghana, who has my boy Kevin Prince Boateng on it, and beating the United States having two World Cups. We beat Algeria, and then I don't even know if you need to play in the World Cup, but needless to say. Tunisia almost beat U.S. in the uh, in the Olympics for basketball. No. <laughs> Did we win that game at like 30? Oh, my God. But the, uh, as I always mention, the Irish broadcaster for that game was the greatest broadcaster ever. We need to get a soundbite from that next week. Next week. It's on my blog. We'll listen to it next week because it's time to get to uh, our NASCAR talk. Of course, first of all, we'll be joined by hopefully someone from the AFL department next week. I'm going to interview this week because everyone's on the road. I get, the legend, I get the rare occurrence of a weekend off. I'm very excited. No, you're not. Yeah. I guess it's, well, I'm sad I'm not doing any games this weekend. But I'm looking forward to next weekend when we just go melee with four events in two days. We have field hockey at noon on the 21st. Bill Reeves for women's soccer that won. Then men's soccer kicks off against... I think it's Liberty, which, lo and behold, rumor has it, that is the return of the Sheriff Daryl McDonald. That would be nice if Bill comes back. Here we go, then. He says that he comes back. A lot. Your thoughts on the team this year? They, they are missing something. They're missing a striker. They have a lot of new guys who have come in and done very well. They just need a striker to complement players like Colin Sigfried and freshman and Bill, by the way. He's a good player. Very good. That player. dude is a, a workhorse. Him and, and Joe Arola, as small as those guys are, they come up like my shoulders. And yet these guys are just sheer beasts. And you're, you're, you'll be back with them soon, yes? Yes, I can practice. What are you doing in the meantime? What's right. the season we lost season? You know, uh, Terrell Owens crunches in your driveway, or uh, Randy Moss asking for straight cash only. He was not asking for streaking. Do you even know what that was all about? Yeah, saying how do how do the Vikings how do you want the Vikings to pay you? No, that's not what he said. No, how do you pay like for dinner for like younger players? It's like straight cash, homie. Really? So yeah. like, do I have a check? What are you doing in the off season? Right now, I'm just focusing on school. But hopefully, when I when I get things settled up, I do my paperwork. I can train on my own. Get fit. I'm done with the boys. There you go. Today's Friday the 13th today. Yeah. Are you superstitious about anything? No. And rightfully so. All right. The Also, had shout out to the volleyball team. Won seven games in a row. I've not done that since 1992. Lo and behold, when Michael Gardner was born. Yeah, but who, who have they played? Well, for us, it doesn't really matter who we play in volleyball. Let's see who they're playing. They play a great cop in state. They've only dropped one set. That was against Manhattan. This is probably one of the best volleyball teams we've had in years. And then they're going to lose to Penn. 
Who knows? They play this weekend. But we'll end the show with the NASCAR Prince Cup chase. It starts this weekend. Yes. At Chicago with a cast of drivers who uh, won't agree with. But to recap everything, in case anyone hasn't heard it. Oh, God. Richmond is the last race of the 26 races because there's 10 races in the 36-race season. Basically, what what has what has happened and what has come out of the allegations and everything is Clint Boyer potentially spun out by team orders saying, quote-unquote, an itch on your arm, completely just pull the flow on inside line. Excuse me, I am a spun out. What? They don't be cheap shots. Crook. Anyway, spun out, thus bringing out the caution flag in which Martin uh, Truex got in by one point over Jeff Gordon. All is fine and well. People are still so we got in on the tiebreak with Ryan Newman. Right. Jeff Gordon's irrelevant. Well, he, would have, he was ahead. Yeah. Caution came out. So Jeff Gordon, we'll get to that. Just tease in the history of NASCAR. <laughs> According to you... No, sir. Basically, but after everyone's like, okay, someone, it's, you know, race would have been fine, but then everyone's like, what's going on? Why did this guy do this? Why is uh, Brian Vickers coming down Perry Road on an unscheduled pit stop? And then, like, why was he running, he ran an extraordinarily slow last lap where he was, like, a second off the pace? So the total guys in now were, according to the wonderful B1260 Photoshop, is Logano, Biffle, Harvick, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, Truex, Edwards, Jimmy Johnson, Casey Kane, Boyer, Dale Jr., and Matt Kenseth. So we thought, but I don't know. I think it was as of Tuesday? Tuesday night. No, Monday night. Monday night. So we had our fire drill at our storm, our apartment. Yes. But basically, NASCAR announced and they find Michael Walter Bracey, and they find the uh, the head, the president, the technical director, who you know the name of, Ty Norris. Yes. Dogs points from all three teams and kick Martin Trex out of the chase and replaced him with Ryan Newman. Something that's never happened. No. Nope. So now you have uh, the, the, the 11 drivers plus Ryan Newman. So basically, they knew my watch was racing, but then apparently there was backdoor deals with uh, Front Row Motorsports and Henske trying to get Joe Logano in the chase. Yeah. And I was watching uh, NASCAR.com's hosting of the uh, Tenders Live, and every one up there was completely as awkward, one of the most awkward interviews I've ever seen. After all is said and done, the smoke has finally settled. The trial event is this weekend. This is going to haunt the rest of the chase, isn't it? Uh, pro- it's probably initially. I don't think it's going to haunt him. I mean, it's, it is 10 weeks, so that's two and a half months. So I don't think that it's going to haunt us for the rest of the time. It will haunt us if Clint Boyer, like, is entitled contention and everyone will be like, yeah, well. Which he was. If he, he didn't want to left down, if he didn't blow into Atlanta, he would be leading. He would. Or he'd be leading the regular point. Right. But um, Kansas, Kansas, I don't. I don't think it's going to taint it for that long. I think that, uh, like I said, if if Clint Boyer's in the mix, then that will certainly be a uh, topic of discussion. And Michael Waltrip, after all this bad press and all that, rightfully that it deserved, if then they turn around and just go in or contention to win it all, that would be uh, that'd be funky. Yep. 
So who do you think is going to win it? According to BFL360.com, you have that this is the year and Rowdy Bush takes his first title. Yes, I do. Why so? I think that he's been very strong all year. I think he's I think he can show finally show the maturity that he's always lacked. He's got great equipment. He's got he's been on fire the past year. Right? He's been on fire, and Matt Kenseth is almost kind of like a little bit of a more of a mentor that that team has never really that he's never really had when he's been there, except for Tony Stewart's the one year that Tony Stewart ran when they were in Toyota, Joe Gibbs. He's never really had like a presence like that, a little bit of a kind of like a almost like a mentor or something like that at Joe Gibbs. So, so a lot more experience. A lot fun. more experience and a guy that's won the title and knows how it takes to get it done. I think Kevin's going to finish second. But I think Rowdy Bush, I think he's going to put it all together. How many wins will he have? Uh, I think he'll have three. I was going to say, I think Matt Kenseth will win with three wins because he's run well at the tracks that they go to because a lot of the tracks, if you, don't, if you haven't coincidentally looked at the schedule, are pretty much a carbon copy of the first of six races in the spring. Yeah. With the exception of Kansas, New Hampshire, and Chicago. No, they go, they go to Texas. That is right. They go to Texas. Phoenix, Texas. Happy Uh Talladega, Martinsville. Charlotte, Charlotte's in May. But basically, from from Memorial Day back to February, most of those races are in the chase, the exception of, obviously, the Homestead, Chicago, Kansas. So, and he, run, he did really well that first half of the season. Wait, Kansas is up there. Because remember, Kansas has the spring race now. Does it? That's right, which he won. There you go. And I think he's been showing the, really the true guy to, to hang with Jimmy Johnson. The only concern with Kansas is... Uh, Motor troubles mm. and issues with this team because that's happened quite a lot. Same with Kyle Busch. My thing with Kyle Busch is his attitude is not going to win the championship because there'll be one race with a wreck and then just get livid. Pull, pull, pull his older brother. Yeah, who is absolutely. Well, you don't think will do well. I mean, I think. Uh, single car team, first time ever. First time ever, single car team. I mean, that team, they've always been kind of like a middle pack at best team. When throughout their history of driving with uh, Kenny Wallace, um, all the guys that were asking, Jimmy Spencer ran a couple of races. I think Derek Cope guest starred in a race. Did he really? Maybe. Ew. I, I, don't, I don't think that's true. But, I mean, we love Derek. But now you have a guy that actually can go out and contend, let a lot of laughs this year. Yeah, it's also been a lot of wrecks this year. He hasn't had a lot of wrecks. Had, had had a lot of bad luck before he hasn't had to win. He's had races where he should have won. Right? Mm-hmm. A car to win it all, but I think that like the reason why some guys I have him a little lower, he is going somewhere else next year, and I think that it's very hard to not be looking ahead, especially if you have like one bad race where you're all but done to start looking ahead forward. So same with Kevin Harvick. Same thing with Kevin Harvick, except what's weird about Kevin Harvick is that. And it's unusual that he's known where he's going for the whole year, and he still had a very good year. So I don't think it'll be as much for him, as though it'll still be effect for um, still be a potential concern. And you got Brian, as far as he's junior eleven, he always does bad those first three races, and then ultimately he's not. He's the thing with Dale Junior is that as he's shown the last few years, he has been raced a lot better, very consistent, but he's not really up there competing for wins a lot. 
Good top five. Never top You'll get your top tens. You'll get your top fives. And then Chase, yeah. it doesn't work. It, it kind of works. And he was running decently last year before he got hurt. And so in the year That's before, he had a concussion. He got hurt and missed a few races. Um, but I think that he, uh, you know, I just don't see him. This year, he's been consistent. He's been in the mix a lot of races, but he's not been a winning, capable driver. Yeah, because the first three guys, you, the first four, top four you have is Bush, Kenseth, Carl Edwards, and Jimmy Johnson. Carl Edwards has done well pretty much the entire backing Ford. Those guys have all won a significant amount. Surprisingly enough, Clint Boyer starts down towards the bottom because he did not win this year. And I'm surprised how he, how he was second. Was he running that well? He had, he, we said the other day he had like 13 top 10s. Who? Clint Boyer. Oh, yeah, he's been rock solid. And that's the thing for the last two years. He's been rock solid. The thing with the chase. He's, he's another guy that hasn't won a lot of race, but he's been in the mix pretty much anywhere. And he's a guy that has shown that he won pretty much any type of track. And equipment's been good. He's not. It's not like he's you know getting uh, racing like us and getting fuel mileage victories. Yeah. Or averaging. Or we're trying to cut down our average on our on our inside live video game of uh, laps per uh, cautions per lap. We're currently at fifty percent. So if we race about a twenty lap race, there will be a guaranteed of about ten cautions. Yeah. That's getting better though. Mm-hmm. Depends on where we go. Yeah. Could be worse. Could be racing on champion mode. Yep. And you have Ryan Newman, ninth. Yeah, I know he's gone. He's going to Childress next year. He's going to Childress, as expected. Um, it's I think it'll be interesting with him because He's been he's been good this year. He won in Indianapolis, but he hasn't been great. I think that he's now that he got into the chase and rightfully so. That now he's going to be a little, race a little more wide open with nothing left to lose. But another guy that's looking elsewhere next year. The team's looking going to be looking forward next year. So I don't think he's going to be a championship. Here's what Ryan told the uh, Sirius NASCAR Radio this past week at uh, NASCAR Chase Media Day. What happened? Um probably has happened at different points in, in, in the history of NASCAR and in the end our sport has changed to the point that we have to change the way we handle it. If you look at uh, the chase itself, it's relatively new. It's you know 10 years old in a, in a 50 or 60 year old sport and um, I use the same analogy when you talk about double file restarts and Jimmy, I mean I don't want to get him started on this but double file restarts are a great thing for our sport but we're still trying to figure out who's supposed to lead at the start finish line. We just need to define a few things. It just takes time. It's progression of learning things over time as we change the rules and make it better for the fans. And um, the, the the situation that happened Saturday night is, to me, a similar one to that in the essence of it's road rage. Whenever when everybody gets to a point where they get frustrated, they do things they probably shouldn't, whether it's fly a finger or somebody off or whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's just a part of being human and... Um, in the end, it affects people, and it affected a lot of people Saturday night, and um, we have to learn how to deal with that um, before before it gets to the point that it did Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or as things are going on today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so if you had to change the chase flow, what would you do? Are you satisfied with the 12 guys they have, or is NASCAR not done with this yet? Um, I think that... Honestly, I'm pretty happy. Um, the one thing I don't like is that Clint Boyer, who had the most biggest thing, he was not his penalty does not affect him with the chase 
at all. It's right. a fifty point penalty, but it takes place before they reset everything. So if this was the normal um it's just like no chase, normal points, and that would hurt him a lot. But here it basically means nothing. Uh a lot of people are saying do you put Jeff Gorn as a thirteenth car and put him in the chase? I think that's a very difficult decision to make because let's say if they run caution-free those last few laps, it's not inconceivable that he loses a spot here and there. I mean, he was running well. The, what he I was running he well. And so I could see the reason why you'd want to put him in the chase as a 13th driver, but it's it's not something that is going to, you know, it's a huge deal to me. I think that all in all, with the exception of the Boyer, and lack of a penalty. I think they did a pretty good job. That was insane. I like the comment you said of the old system, which is, I think, what they should do for this year. They need to vacate this chase because this thing is just out of control. Your, your idea is out of control. No, it's not. The NFL did it when they had a strike in 82. And I, I, do, I, do, I remember looking this up because I had to do research for it. Maybe it was in 82. No, yes, it was 82. Because they missed, like, the entire se- half of the season as a 57-day-long player strike was reduced to a, uh, 16 games to the abbreviated nine games. What the NFL did, they took the top eight from each, the AFC and NFC, and made a playoff. Like much like we're going to see from the BCS soon, next year. So they changed. Because of something awful happening, they changed. And, of course, NASCAR this year, you have a chase with, with no defending champ, no Tony Stewart, no Jeff Gordon, no Denny Hamlin, no David Reagan. <laughs> then, you know, NASCAR needs to put their foot down because basically... What do you mean they put their foot down? They took a guy out of the chase. Yes, but this still isn't enough. What do you mean it's not like, enough? Well, you're just angry that your guy did not get in. And I, I can tell a right to ran. Well, he should be in. If it wasn't for the phony caution with the guy that didn't get a good enough penalty, they need to vacate the chase, send it on, send it on regular points. Of course, Stop. that doesn't help us anyway. Stop. Because some boy are still up there. You're in, still in, up you're in it. I would hate to see that, though. You're in it. It's it a horrible idea. A mess. If they made a 16-play out of the NFL, they need to vacate the chase. They only did that because that was a straight short year. They wouldn't play, like, nine, nine games. Was nine games. What are you doing? Because, because, because it's basically, no it basically sets up Jimmy Johnson to win again. That's not true. Probably very upset. Jimmy sets up Jimmy Johnson to win. I wouldn't make it any different if, if none of this would have happened. Jimmy Johnson would have been poised, potentially poised to win regardless. He's probably going to win. And you're still using my headphones that you stole. We, I lost mine. No, you borrowed you, you You gave them to me. No, I let you borrow them. Peace and view and ask for a fan. You think I know what we're talking about? There, see, there you go. All right, that's awesome. That's a great way to end the show. Do you, do you want to read our final read? Promoting college night? Flo, do you want to take it out? Hey, soccer fans, if you are looking for an exciting interactive experience, D.C. United, great football club, will be hosting college night on October 4th against the Chicago Fire at lovely RFK Stadium. Is it play the... Uh, the Galaxy tomorrow. We actually saw them practicing. Right? I, I don't. I don't care. Uh, college night will feature a pregame tailgate. Everybody loves tailgate. A halftime mascot race 
Dude, all the local colleges, kind of sounds like a poor man's president's race, and many other activities, a sausage race, and a, or even a sausage race. Tickets will be sold at the price of $20 per ticket. I think that's like 18 euros. For more information, visit cunited.com slash au. Go to that. Of course, we would like to thank uh, American Word Magazine. No, we wouldn't. Yes, yes, we will have an American University. American Word is a poor man's eagle. It can't be because we're published and they're not. Yeah, but what what does that mean? (laughs) We're the type better priorities as a country. Exactly. So we're not on paper? Yeah, we have the Constitution on paper and the National Archives. Exactly. Anyway, that'll do it for today's show. My thanks to our guest, Dan Ocoyer, for his wonderful analysis on soccer in general. And, and boxing. And boxing, yes. And I know you're a Mike Mayweather fan. Get, get, get money like that. Get some money. 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 Get and also, uh, we'll be hosting the show, possibly for the first half. Yes. And yes, let's do it. The new locker rooms will be unveiled September 20th at noon. I'll be How do we think we're showing our location? We'll have to organize. I have to do some organizing involved. Oh, uh, so we'll keep you posted. to know. But for all of our guests, for uh, everyone, this is Snack Radio. I'm Michael Gardner saying so long. We'll see you next time. Thank you.